<clears throat> is this our 30th episode? We turned 30 today. Whoa. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. 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 Guys, yay. It's a big, big jump. Yay. So. I didn't think we were going to make it through three. <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> Uh, Phil, do you remember for my 30th birthday, you showed up and we drank a bottle of Jameson? I don't remember that. <laughs> it's because you drank a bottle of Jameson. Right. I shared it with others. <laughs> uh, welcome back. Yes. Uh, we have Dr. Suzanne Chan with us again. Yeah, Hi. super good. Hey. Thanks for having me back. I've been so lonely. Yes. Um, <laughs> And we brought you back for a good week, an exciting oh week of news. Yeah. Lots uh, to talk about. You know, I always think we always do the shameless plugs at the end, yeah. but maybe we should do a little bit at the beginning. We probably should. Yeah, you know, you being all like a producer. I'm just thinking about the fact that maybe yeah. the people want to know, I'm, I'm sure some do, but we have a Facebook page. We do have a Facebook page. Uh, at Barstool Politics. We have a Twitter uh, at uh, Barstool Paul, P-O-L. Uh, you should explain the, uh, the beer thing. Yeah, so uh, the beers that we do go through every week um, end up getting put up on uh, Untapped, which is an app that you can get through uh, iTunes or the Android store. Is that what it's called? Yes. I don't know what you people use. <laughs> um, and then we give uh, numbered ratings and then any comments about the beer. So you can look us up under our username is Barstool Politics. Pretty easy. Uh, follow us. You can leave beer suggestions and they have lots of beer news things, and it's a good way to keep track of everything. Um, Send us an email to uh, barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com. Um, nobody seems to be using that as no, of yet. It's, it's like people have moved on from email. <laughs> yeah, it's so. really sad. Nobody and and Yahoo. of course, uh, you know, if you can rate, review us, uh, and share us on iTunes with your friends, we'd love it. Yes, you know? that's how we get um, bumped up in the listings, which would be tremendous if we could get past any of the ones that have like 3 million listeners. <clears throat> um so the Donald Trump Jr. story, that just broke today, right? It's been slowly leaking out. Right. Uh, today was his response where he, he, what did he, tweeted the emails? Yes, the email chain. Well, yes. it wasn't all response. of the emails, obviously. Yes. Was, right. uh, Phil, do you want to start us with a kind of brief synopsis of what happened? Uh, sure. Um, so, yeah, the New York Times has run a story related to this four days in a row. So each day... Uh, new details come out. So this all started, I guess, Saturday um, with the, the story that Donald Trump Jr. had met with, a, it was sort of vague at that point, a Russian, right? Mm -hmm. um, who supposedly had information about Hillary Clinton that might be helpful to, uh, uh, to Trump's campaign. And their first reaction was that it was a nothing meeting. The first response that Don Jr. had was that it was a nothing meeting. Um, he didn't know who the person was. He, it was, they talked very sh briefly. This woman was crazy and made no sense. And then they talked about like adopting kids from Russia or whatever, and then they moved on. Then as the story, more details came out that he in fact did know that it was a Russian person that he was meeting with and that uh, Jared Kushner and uh, Paul Manafort were also at the meeting. And so then it became, I forget how he responded to that. Um, basically he admitted that he had met with a, his, his statement that came out next was kind of insane because he, his defense was, yes, I met with this person who claimed to have information about right. Hillary Clinton, but the information was dumb, right? So basically, he, what he said right. was, 
yes, I tried to collude with Russia, but it didn't work out, which is a strange defense. He like, he backed away from the wrong part of the story. <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did something wrong, but it didn't work out, right? I so then it wasn't wrong. Yeah. So then no one should be right. upset. And then also that there was an, that he had received an email prior to that meeting noting this, right? Yes. That this was connected to the Russian government. So yes. the first, yeah, you're right. The first iteration, just about adoptions. The second iteration story broke and said that there was an email saying that this was from the Russian government. Did you, right. did you guys find that? bizarre how obvious it was yes, well, it ju- yes. I, it's, it's just right there nick nick they're not smart no, they're not no. Smart. wait the trumps or the russians the trumps i assume trumps, yeah. I don't know. Yes. Was okay, thank you. Yeah. wasn't it in the subject line of the email wasn't it like russia Clinton? yes we should meet yes no and this is the, so, this is it this is obviously very high level and sensitive information but it's part of russia and its government support for mr trump helped along by aras and eman Emin? Yeah. Oh yeah, Emin's the the singer, right? Yeah, he's uh, a pop star. The pop yeah. star who Stone represents. Right, uh, whose father is a real estate tycoon yes. in in Russia, connected with yes. Putin, right? I mean, it's just all these... They tried to get the Trump Hotel in Moscow set up. Yes. Apparently, during the campaign, they all had lo- uh, dinner in Vegas, so it's very mm-hmm. tightly wound. Why would wound. you say that? <laughs> oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so Donald Trump Jr. today tweets out the full email, yeah. supposedly what he claims is the full exactly. email. Exactly. Um, in, in a, an effort to be transparent. And Donald Trump dad has said, has praised Donald Trump Jr.'s transparency. What What is actually going on is the New York Times was going to run another story with this information. <laughs> they called Donald Trump Jr. and asked him for comment. And he said, give us a little time before you run it. And then he tweeted out that, so he, he never would have released this email if the New York Times wasn't about to do it. Now, having said that, it's insane that he, uh, this email is totally incriminating, right? If you've been looking for like a smoking gun that shows collusion, right? This, the email says, I mean, the email basically says, hey, do you want to collude with us? And Donald Trump Jr. says, I love it. Yeah, isn't that what <laughs> he said? His quote is, I love it. The, if it's what attorney. you say, I love it, I love especially it. later in the summer. Yeah, everything. I mean, explicitly says this is a this is about Russia wanting your dad to win. Right. We have information on Hillary. Yes. Let's meet. And Donald Trump Jr. says, "Great." Do you think that even it. ran through? Like, I I can easily see him saying, "Well, we just need dirt on Hillary," and he's not even contemplating the conflict of interest in this particular situation because he's Donald Trump Jr. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that can be true. Right. I mean, he did. He didn't realize. Or I don't know. Do you, do you think he had a sense of what he was doing was wrong? I don't think they have a sense of anything, really. Yeah. <laughs> they're just dumb. Like they're, they're, just, they're terrible at this, right? Yes. Like they're just bad at this. Well, this. I is... mean that 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 yeah. It's just the the fact that I mean even they're like again every step along the way they have denied it in some way in less than 24 hours had to totally change their story and that they go through that cycle again and again so today paul manafort's defense was i didn't read all the way down the email um i have that problem all the time you have to start at the bottom and work your way up so initially jared kushner and manafort claimed that they didn't know what the meeting was about but when the email this is another thing when donald trump jr tweets out the email today it shows that they were cc'd from the beginning so they knew they also saw the email that said 
hey, I have this person with Russian intelligence because the Russian government wants you to win. Let's work together. And they were like, well, let's go to the meeting. So, so they're <laughs> yeah. idiots and they're liars, right? <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's, I was just going to say, it's, it seems, just from the reading I've done and looking at the emails, it seems that these emails have then were forwarded to other people. So the question is, who else, if they were not initially on the email, who else saw these emails? So, of course, the question goes all the way up. Did Donald Trump, President Trump, see these? If so, he was involved in this then. Plausible deniability no longer exists. How, how to prove that it was forwarded to him? Of course, I know. I mean, the Russians can hack. They could figure out a way to show that, obviously. But who else saw these? And... <coughs> There's so much legal stuff about, you know, this is sort of falls under the umbrella of campaign finance, which is really interesting, whether Donald Trump Jr. violated campaign finance law. Um, also falls under the, um, it falls under the treason umbrella, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, That's a it's big a umbrella. That is a, it is a big umbrella. These are tarps at this point. It's so true. Well, to that <clears throat> point, you think about, this was not just some random meeting with a nobody, right? So the fact that... Uh, Kushner's there, that Paul Manafort is there, that the president's son is there. Like, this is a big, big deal. They thought this was significant. Uh, yeah, and that, and that Kushner, yeah, the fact that Kushner's there is, for me, that's the big one. Uh, oh, I agree. Yeah. And, and, and subsequently lied about it on his clearance, on his security clearance form. Right. right? You know he did specific... already anyway. Right. But so this is, yeah, lie number however many yeah, of exactly. that. And yeah, so he, Go ahead. That's part of how they found out about it is that uh, you know both Kushner and Manafort amended their statements yes. like at so many multiple times and at one point put this in and I don't know if that's because the FBI found it or whatever but but that's the other thing like nobody admits any level of truth until they're caught. I mean that's the thing with Don Trump Jr. Oh this starts out as it's about adoption. Well then it was about some dirt. Okay here's the emails like each day. When the Times pushes them, then they finally reveal. Why? I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to ask quickly. I wonder, I don't know, I haven't seen the response from the Times other than the gentleman that wrote it that said, I was going to run this story today. Yeah. Do they have the whole chain of emails? Because right. obviously, Junior cut and pasted parts of it. So if the New York Times has the whole chain of email, we need to see all of that. Because mm -hmm. there's stuff missing. So, now, maybe they don't have it, but my guess is if he was going to run a story with emails, there's more than what Donald Trump Jr. tweeted today. It, it is interesting if you read that email. There's no like surprise at all from Donald Trump Jr. Right? Like, yeah, if, no. if you send me, if I get an email saying a Ru Russian agent wants to meet with you <laughs> um, to take down Hillary Clinton, right? Like, I, even if I'm all for it, my initial reaction is going to be. <laughs> I don't know. It's not going to be just like he acted like he totally understood what this was about and knew about it. Like it, it seems to me there's no obviously no evidence of this, but there's the, the 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 assumption I'm working on is that this is not the first conversation about this that has occurred. Well, especially right? so this, if Goldstone set this meeting up and is friendly with the Trump family, then my guess would be that this is something that was brewing that Donald Trump Jr. knew about and was just waiting to get this email to confirm some kind of meeting. Didn't he even say it even says something. The other part, there there are so many little elements to this email that I think that are interesting. That it doesn't it it says at some point he he even says about how I could go straight to your dad. Yes. Through some other person, I don't know who that person was, but because you know it's urgent, I thought I would talk to you first. Which also implies that there already is this other sort of communication exactly. connection through this other person to Donald right. Trump right. as well. It's just so cartoonishly just awful like it's yeah. so everything's so obvious and 
one-dimensional. Like, I, I, I don't understand how he just went along with it. Well, and it's it's just clear evidence of collusion, right? Uh, now, it's this might be bad, right? So, and again, we don't know. They keep saying that the Russian lawyer, this Natalia, that the information they presented was was not good. But that's just trusting Donald Trump Jr., right? It could be that it was it was just a test to build relationships and that more information came later. But isn't it convenient that the WikiLeaks dump came like day a day or days after this meeting? Yeah, that absolutely. seems awfully but, convenient to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the timing. There's all sorts of weird stuff. Donald Trump made a speech a couple of days later about how, or oh. said a couple of days later about how he was going to make a big speech about Hillary's crimes. And <laughs> but yeah, your your point too, Bill, is is I think an important one or a good one. I've seen a number of people in the sort of security intelligence community who have basically said that the way Russia does this, right, is that they send someone, a proxy of some sort, to reach out to you, maybe with bad information. Yeah. Because it's not about the information, they're testing you to see how you react. Because right. if you call the FBI, they know not to deal with you anymore. If instead, you Set up a meeting. hush hush and eat, talk to everybody else about it and don't <laughs> yes. say anything, you, you've got this great, okay, well maybe this is someone we can work with, right? So it, in a lot of ways, this meeting may not have even been about the information. It was about yeah. testing the waters and figuring out if they could work with people in the Trump administration. Are you saying this was a false flag operation? <laughs> Russia would never engage in that. What are you talking about? Well, you think of you know this. There was a lot made. Turn this into an Alex Jones show. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm it's leaving. Dur- I'm leaving. <laughs> Dur- was it was it Gore that w- like during the Gore Bush Gore campaign? The Gore campaign got like a playbook from the Bush administration and immediately Which like. Is- yeah, his debate prep, basically. Yeah. yeah. Right. Immediately turned it into the FBI. And so online, you're seeing, an, or on Twitter, you're seeing a whole bunch of uh, legal experts saying that this is this is a no-brainer, right? You know that when you get presented with this information, you call the FBI. Right. This is not even, you know, it's, it's a clear-cut case. Right. Bush's ethics attorney, or Beth, Bush's, what's his name? Richard Painter? Painter? Is that, yeah. yeah that he was, hell do you he was, Yeah, that. he basically outright... Well, he's been he's been on Twitter and, and actually he's been on MSNBC and all over the news. Just so this is yeah, a former Bush ethics lawyer just ripping. Oh, he was in the White House counsel. Yeah, yeah, ripping the Trump administration to shreds. I mean, he basically said it was treason that somebody should go to jail. He's got this wonderful Southern accent where he's like, they should all go to jail. Right? Is that Southern? <laughs> <It's> sort of. <laughs> But and then there was somebody else that you you sent me earlier today, Phil. That somebody was saying that this is like clear evidence of collusion. It's not a smoking gun. It's a cannon, right? It was a one of the Watergate prosecutors mm-hmm. who said this is absolutely. Uh, I think, yeah, uh, who yeah said that it was a smoking cannon, not a smoking yeah. gun. Um, and let me see if I can find that quote here. Yeah, former Watergate prosecutor Nick uh, Ackerman. Ackerman said Trump Jr. emails are almost a, almost a smoking cannon, to be fair. And that, uh, quote, there is no question that this is treason. So that's yeah, a big water- deal, because it's yeah. treason. We were talking earlier about collusion, Suzanne, well, right? Yeah, so I just thought it would be interesting, because this is what, as all this was happening, we use this word a lot, collusion, colluding, and kind of thinking about what the word means and legally what it means. And so it doesn't really mean anything legally, right? Unless we're talking about antitrust laws. I was doing a little research about this. but. What really, what most of the legal experts, particularly political science and law experts are saying is that this would be conspiracy mm-hmm. to commit election fraud, potentially, mm-hmm. in some way. So this, there's a couple of ways this could happen. So I guess let me back up. Collusion in and of itself, in this case, would, would not be criminal, right? Yeah. If there's conspiracy to commit a crime or knowing ahead of time that colluding would result in criminal activity or some kind of crime, then, then it's a problem. So... 
if if the hacking, like the Trump campaign was involved with the hacking or gave Russia information to do the hacking or something like that, then obviously there's all kinds of criminal things happening. <clears throat> but if it's just that they got information and maybe it was going to do something and maybe it wasn't and Russia did all of it, but the Trump campaign did nothing except take a meeting, legally speaking, it could be that nothing happens and that nothing was actually criminal. But if you consider the taking of the information from Russia, so the Trump campaign takes the information, you consider it something of value, that violates, violates campaign finance law where you can't take that from a foreign entity. So depending on how you define it, and my guess would be if this ever came up, the Trump lawyers would be really good at saying, well, this isn't something of value. How do you define something of value? What is, it's not, what is yeah. it? So there's all kinds of ways that this could be nothing in terms of legal prosecution or impeachment. And there's all kinds of ways that this could be everything. And if you look at, of course, the way the media is covering it, you're hearing two different stories. Yeah. You're listening to us in this room all talking about how it's all kinds of fucked up. But that's not what everybody thinks. No, and on the right, on the right today, there was a lot of comment about. You see, Don, he released the Don Donald Trump Jr. released the emails. Good job. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. And he, he came clear. For you uh, was, it's no big deal, <laughs> right. and that the left is making a, a big. Uh, they kept calling it a nothing burger over and over and over again. The media's obsession. Yeah, right. uh, Gorka called it a nothing burger. Ryan's Previs yeah, nothing we burger. About it last week, there was Vince yeah. Jones who had said it. Yeah, uh, um, CNN. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Phil, treasons, uh, that's a nothing burger or? Mm -hmm. I've the only cheese. been accused of treason three times, but it was a pretty big <laughs> deal all three times. <laughs> so no, there's, a, there's an interesting, somebody, somebody else on Twitter, and I, I was looking to see if I could find it, and I can't, I can't find it, was talking about, uh, was, I don't even remember exactly how they said it, but, but the, the lamenting the fact that the Republican Party, or the right at least, has been so focused on legal or illegal, like this distinction, yeah. that they've totally glossed over the question of right and wrong. Oh, right? There's, absolutely. So there's, there's, a, there's the legal question, but there's also this ethical question about even if it's not illegal, it's really bad. Right? You shouldn't be doing it even if it's not illegal. I think that, well, wasn't that Max Boot? Because he kind of lost it yesterday on CNN. So uh, Max Boot, who was this longtime conservative Republican who's come out and said, I'm no longer a Republican because they've lost their moral compass, right? Uh, it's, it's fascinating to see, of course, there's tons of pushback on the left, right? You expect that, that's not surprising. But the pushback from some elements on the right is really interesting. And they're, and they're pissed, like Max Boot is very, very upset about all this. We what, think about, I'm sorry, Phil, go ahead. The, the other interesting part that happened today or in the last 24 hours is that both um, Drudge and Fox News had on their website stories about this email which seems small, but in the context of the way they've been covering the Trump administration for the last several months, it's actually pretty huge. Yes. And so, you know, we've talked about like, at what point does the, I mean, Trump is really in a lot of ways, okay, until the right turns on him. And uh, to the extent to which Fox News, and to a lesser extent, Drudge, but Fox News shapes, I think, conservative opinion in lots of ways these days. The fact that they're talking about this is is means that it's a I mean I, it's a it's a big story regardless, but it's so big that that Fox News doesn't even feel like they can ignore it. I don't know if that means anything going forward, but it, I I would I don't know it's it's in, I mean it it is a step further than any of the other sort of revelations have have gone. Nick, you've always sort of 
you, your position on this has been that even if something is a big story, it's not going to go anywhere. What do you What do you think? It's not going to go anywhere. Okay, so is this? No, is this you another want to talk about the the parties losing their moral compass? Go fuck yourself, <laughs> really? Like, and I I remember it, it was not long after that. No, actually, it was fairly recently. I was listening to an interview with Rahm Emanuel, who at the time. Um, moral but, guy, moral yeah, right, guy, right? But he was making a <laughs> statement. To, I forgot what group it was, but someone who was fairly important, probably in the, the nuns. early stage. Yes, the nuns, obviously, um, fairly important in the early stages of the Obama administration. And his entire speech was, "It doesn't matter unless you win. Up until that point, whatever you're talking about, whatever your talking points are, wherever you stand, no, you can't shape policy." and shape the direction that the country goes in unless you win. That's true. Right, which is absolutely 100% true. true. I teach but my you, students of that course. it's true. But don't give the high and mighty response that you need to have a moral, that you're going to have a moral compass at the level that you're talking about if your, your primary goal, and realistically your only goal, is to win. It's the proximate goal. It has to happen before anything but, else can but happen. I, I, I think you're assuming you're being too cynical about people. I, I, that's I think physically not possible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, I do think you have to be cynical about people, but I think the vast majority of people would say there are certain things that I that, you know, I, I say, I don't know. So I, I, if I'm a Republican, I would say, absolutely, I, you know, do whatever it takes to win within reason. There are certain things that I would say, I, you know, I don't want the party to do to win. Um, and I think most people would agree with that, right? You're saying basically you do anything and everything and the whole idea of moral doesn't come into it because winning is all that matters. And I think that's true to a point, but there, I, I don't think that beyond a point that's true. And I think that's where you have uh, people like Max Boot who are saying, you know, I understand politics is dirty, but but you've crossed a point where like, if you, if you give away everything to win, then what's the, you know, then... Why? So, Win. so you've sold Saul. So here's: are, are you talking as a, a Republican voter or as a Republican legislator? I think either. Okay. All right. So I'll give the response to both. So, a Republican voter at this point, the opposition is so distasteful they're not going to listen to this anyways. And like you said, I, and I'll I'll be the first one to to cop to this. Republican voters, a lot of their thinking is shaped around Fox News and the lesser amount of conservative outlets that are out there. Um, and I, I don't think even with this come, when this comes out, they're either listening to the narrative that's being given to them or they don't care because they don't want to have anything to do with the opposition. And the Republicans have control of all three branches of government. Like, why... why what, why, why, like, and I understand there's going to be pushback from some people and it's going to be put out in the media and we're going to have interviews with the people that leave their positions and they did it on moral grounds and you're not going to see a, a giant, you know, uprising in, in, within the Republican Party that's going to change the way that they govern. It's just not going to happen. This is a great question for Suzanne, thinking about like the Congress. Oh, whether, I know. I'm yeah, waiting like, for what? someone to shut up so I can talk about Congress. <laughs> <'Cause>, right. <'cause, laughs> so, like, at what point does 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 Paul, does this matter to Paul Ryan? I mean, he's. Th so 
There's, I mean, with, so when Nick was talking about, like, you're talking about legislators, you're talking about voters, and talking about what Ram Emanuel said. So a lot of this is, if you're a Republican voter and you voted for Trump, and let's say you voted for Republicans to, to, to serve for you, to serve in Congress, or maybe you were a split-ticket voter and you voted, whatever it was, but you voted for Trump. And now you're wondering whether or not, to Phil's point, like, okay, maybe it's not legal or illegal, but it's bad. Like, where's the compass of right and wrong? then the recourse you have in the midterm elections is to either not vote, which most people that voted in the general don't vote in the, prime, or don't vote in the midterms anyway, Correct. or they say, okay, well, if we think that what the leader of the party has done is wrong, then a way to check that would be to vote for Democrats, and then, which is midterm loss anyway, right? I mean, this is something that, all, that technically happens. So I wonder, there's so many things, right? So if a Republican voter, so to Phil's point again, if you're watching Fox and there's a story about it, then maybe like, oh, maybe there's something to these emails. But if you keep watching Fox and the way they report on it says, but technically and legally he didn't do anything wrong, then you're like, oh, well, that's cool. I can keep voting for Republicans. And the majority is solid in both chambers that way, and it's fine. But if you have those middle-of-the-road voters, that, especially the ones that at the very last minute decided to vote for Trump, a supermajority of people who decided in the last week voted for him, let's say they're interested enough, interested enough to vote in the midterm, those are the ones that are really going to make a difference. So this is why Paul Ryan might care. This is why Mitch McConnell has pushed the recess. They need to get some shit done, whether it's health care or not, to always wag the dog away from all this nonsense to say, look, we're here, we're still governing, we're the party that's still governing and we're doing stuff. So please don't, you know, give up on us in 2018. Mm -hmm. But this wouldn't change Paul Ryan's calculus about whether to move towards impeachment, right? He's not. He's still not even... Oh, there's... No. Nothing. No. Nothing. no. Yeah. I mean, unless something random happens where there's like an explicit email that says, we are working together exclusively to hack and this, 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 this. That almost happened. But it al almost uh, isn't okay. it did, so it's gotta right? Be, it's got to be another one. I mean, that's the thing. It's got to be the, more the collusion. Smoking cannon, yeah. The smoking cannon is not enough for impeachment. Mm -hmm. And yes, Democrats have been drawing up articles of impeachment since he took office. But that doesn't mean anything, like you said, unless yeah. Republicans. I mean, Lindsey Graham can talk all damn day about how he's a terrible, you know, Paul, yeah. Donald Trump's a terrible human being. And this isn't a lot of the stuff that people, Congress scholars have been talking about is, you know, you look at John McCain and Lindsey Graham and some other Republican senators, especially, who are distancing themselves from Trump. But they're still arguing for his policies on the floor. They're still pushing the Republican agenda. And they're not, they're not doing anything to combat his ability to govern. That has to happen for there to be something that pushes it over the edge. And none so, of that has happened. Right. What, what happens if, so the, the story to me about all of this, like what I think we see is the surface level of what's happening, right? So, so you've got the the Mueller investigation going on. If if this email, knows? if if this email is out there in the New York Times, you've got to guess that Robert that that Mueller has way more information, yes. way more details. Like he's been adding all sorts of prosecutors to his team. Yeah. So, I don't know. I know that there are all sorts of you know questions about whether or not a sitting president can be prosecuted for anything. So let's leave Trump out of it for now. But let's say all these people around him start going down, right? So let's say Don, Don Jr. and Jared Kushner and you know Manafort and all these other people. There was uh, one tweet I saw today. There was a letter that went out that implied that maybe Reince Priebus was under investigation as part of this as well. So let's say all of this you know inner circle starts going down on criminal charges of various types. What does that do? Does that so you're talking about like you need something else to push impeachment forward? Would that be enough 
to cave support from the Republican Party with the the push to distance yourself from the Trump administration require you. So it's not. So again, I'll I'll buy into Nick's total cynicism here. Let, let's say that um, they're not concerned about doing what's right. They're concerned about survival, right? So this is kind of rational choice sort of stuff. Um, at what point does uh, Marco Rubio or a Lindsey Graham suddenly say, "Yeah, I'm for impeachment," because when, it's not just news stories anymore. It's all of you know. It's actual criminal prosecution. When the numbers show them that they can't maintain the majority in the midterms mm -hmm. if they don't. And, I'll be quite honestly, if we talk about being a rational actor. <clears throat> and you think about the polling, right? I mean, so Trump is in some ways already thinking ahead of about this. And he started, he's, he's uh, discrediting the FBI and Mueller's investigation. Uh, and there has been some movement, right? Uh, with men Republicans questioning the, uh, the reliability of the FBI, thinking about this, right? And unless there's, the, if there's a big movement there, I don't know. I don't know if there is traction. You might be right, Nick. I, it's not. I. I'm gonna say it right now. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And I'll. I will be. I think the midterms will be an affirmation of what we've been seeing and the um, the the stalemate that we have between the two opposing camps at this point. I think the the shift from one side to another will be minimal compared to previous midterm elections. So, Nick, when you say it's not going anywhere, mm -hmm. what do you do you mean in terms of Donald Trump anything. as president? Nothing is going anywhere. It's just anywhere. noise. You're saying this is all noise. You don't, you don't think anything's going to come of this? Um, in the, I, I, I mean, I think something could come of it, but not in the sense of um, wide-reaching prosecutions. I guess. I, I, I think it's there's still enough. Uh, hearsay and um and, and innuendo and he said she said that we know that we know of yes it, uh, until something comes out that is you know a picture of trump and putin and trump is taking a sack with a dollar sign on it or something <laughs> like that i i think it's going to be very difficult to see a major shift in the makeup of the administration and especially um the um thought process and ability to govern on part of the Republican Party. I think you're right so, in the political side of it, right? <clears throat> I don't know if anything happens I politically. <laughs> but Mueller, I mean, we should, I mean, he is looking into all angles, right? So if, yeah. if he comes out and he finds that uh, Paul Manafort is guilty of a variety yes. of financial crimes mm -hmm. and had some connections with the Russian, Russian, same thing with Michael Flynn, yes. and these people start falling, uh, yeah. then... If you, if you I, have definitive proof, yeah. because realistically, like we've all been saying, yeah. The Republicans are about whether it's illegal or legal. Yeah. So as soon as you have legitimate, solid, I, I mean, like, like more than what we have. Anymore, right? I don't know. That's facts, the alternative thing. facts, that's, fake so, news. That's, like, that's the, the whole thing yeah. that's so right. like, mind-boggling so to That's me. why I'm saying it might not go anywhere. Oh, it's but so cynical. So, so, so let me, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you. Fine. Um, <laughs> that's the standard. You're right. There is not going to be a magic, like, you know, there's not going to be like one bullet that shows us that ah collusion happened, right? But that's not the way criminal cases occur, right? Criminal cases Correct. occur Accruing. based on a huge pile of evidence that creates belief beyond a reasonable doubt, mm -hmm. right? And we have only seen little bits and pieces, right? But if I'm on a jury and I'm like, I mean, I I don't know what the the bulk of the evidence is, but we have an email in which they, you know, <laughs> yes. just talking about Don Trump Jr., right? 
we have an email in which someone said, hey, the Russian government wants to take down Hillary Clinton and wants to work with you. You want to meet? And he says, sure, right? That, that, that's, that is really damning. So it is. So I, it's collusion, I, but it's not necessarily illegal. Right. That's so, the problem. So, yeah, I, I think that you are going to see a lot of people go to jail. Um, I don't know. So they may be all lower level people, right? So the question the question becomes, and we've talked about this, whether you could ever tie it back to Donald Trump, right? He knew about this, right? There's no way he yeah. didn't know about this. If he didn't know about the meeting beforehand, he, he, which he did, like, I'm not even gonna say that. He, he knew about this. There's, I, I have, you know, 99.9% .9 certainty he knew about it. Um, the thing that I think, so I, I don't know if they'll be able to tie it back to him, but I think the odds of him going down in flames went up a fair amount here. And it's not because of they're going, not necessarily because they're going to be able to prove collusion or treason or anything like that. But if you go back and reinterpret the last six months of Donald Trump's life, just with this one added piece of information, if you want to understand why he was hostile to James Comey, why he was hostile to a Russia investigation, why he was hostile to an independent. So if you want to understand all of the obstruction of justice stuff, you can understand it by the fact that he knew that his son had talked to the Russians, right? So, mm -hmm. so I don't know that anything will happen necessarily with Donald Trump and collusion and all of that, but he's going to obstruct the hell out of this investigation, right? Because it's his son and his son-in-law, and this is there are all sorts of problems with nepotism from the from like the citizen side, right? There's lots of reasons why you don't want nepotism at the higher levels of government. This is also one of the reasons why it's problematic when you're the the nepotizer. Right? <laughs> the nepotizer, yeah. nepotizer the nepotist, the nepotist. Yeah. Any other situation, you throw Don, Donald Trump Jr. <laughs> under the bus, right? The safe thing to do if you're Don, if you're President Trump, is and some advisor or some idiot in your campaign talk to Russians, is that you throw them under the bus, you let them go to prison, you claim you never knew about it. But when it's your son, that's hard to do. But the thing, so, that, he that, could, the thing that he could do here that would be, as, a, as you're talking, Phil, I'm thinking about one of the angles that President Trump could play is, look at them, they went after Ivanka for sitting in for me at the G20. They're going after Donald Trump Jr. They're going after Kushner. The, they're going the after my family. Right. They're hitting me in my family, and that's bullshit, and everybody should be pissed about that, and they have nothing except they hate my family, right. and then compare the Clintons and do all the things he's been doing, and that, quite frankly, would work with family values, traditional Republican right. voters. Correct. Yep. The but, elite but media, the left wing, they're coming after the family. It's very godfather. They're coming after the family. Mm -hmm. Problem. I mean, that's Trump Jr. is Fredo, then, right? Well, that's what <laughs> <laughs> we saw the tweets. I, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about yeah. this when you were, Bill, you were talking earlier that like Kushner and Manafort and Donald Trump Jr. get invited to this meeting with poor Eric. Yeah. Poor Eric. Oh. He's too stupid. No, no, he doesn't no. get invited to anything. But he's the bright one now, right? I mean, now he, he is because he was so right. stupid they didn't involve him in anything. Donald Jr. is now tweeting out the evidence. Okay, uh, well, a couple things. One, we're assuming, or we're not assuming, but I think it's likely that this wasn't the only meeting that the Trumps took with information, right? I mean, so it was it last week we were talking about, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, who was doing independent research uh, and mentioned that he was connected with Flynn and others. So it's, if they were so excited about this one meeting, it's, it's likely that they were also looking at other angles and there might be other connections as well. And if that information comes out, that's even worse. And then one thing that nobody's talking about is who leaked this story? Right? Did this was this from the Times, or others have suggested that this might be Jared Kushner realizing he's in trouble, and one way to do this is to throw this he's back on. Right, <laughs> is that what you're saying? right, throw it back on Don Jr. 
Um, but if he goes down, they, like Manafort and Trump, Donald Trump Jr. and Kushner, they're all going down together. Don't Maybe. You think? Well, don't I don't you think? know. I don't know. If they're um, all connected on this email and they went to this meeting, how do you, if you're Kushner, how do you put all this on Donald Trump Jr. knowing you're on these emails and then well, get out scot free? Because, because it's a brilliant, it's a smart PR move by Kushner until Don Jr. tweets out the freaking email. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't talk about that ahead of time that that was up. the next step. Can we uh, talk about that real quick? Yeah. What was the strategic purpose of there doing that? There wasn't one. Of, of, of Don Jr. tweeting it out? Yeah. Other than the New York Times saying, Other than, yeah. Well, that's, that's no, I, I got it. No, you can't do that. It's it's last minute transparency, right? Oh, I'm about to get busted. Let me, you know. But he had, like, and I, I say, like, like this is was an actual thought in his yeah. head, that he had to know it was going to be bad. Don't like, you think the lawyers are like, don't do it, don't do it. He's like, I got this. Don't At this point, I don't think there is. Consult the lawyers? I don't know. I don't think there are any lawyers in that place. I think it's just the ghost the town. The White House counsel's office. No, if it's you're, gone. If you're a reputable firm, leads. you don't want to work for the Trumps, right? Because they don't listen to you. You know there's all sorts of trouble all around. Because uh, you could go down, too. If yeah, the so Times had published Donald, this. Donald Trump Jr. hired an attorney yesterday. He did. Yeah. yeah. I can't believe he's someone a, took He's an attorney who has represented four of the five major mafia families in New York over the last Yeah, no, it's it is it it's the it potentially is the biggest God, I wish story I soundboard now. I just in, in the last like Frito sounds. Yeah. I mean since Watergate, right? I mean this is this is like drip 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 drip. But then yesterday was the explosion, right? I mean, we've talked everybody has denied at every level in the Trump administration that there's any kind of collusion, that we had any that they had any knowledge, and yesterday that was disproved, right? Ben, ben Wittes, this guy who writes for Lawfare, has been tweeting out, and before each news break, he's been like tick, 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 saying that something big is coming. Oh, coming. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, he was like, the explosion happened, right? This is it. This is that that piece that pushes us over the is edge. Is it though? Because we said that probably on 10 different episodes at this point. But the, the, so the I, lies. I, oh, go ahead, Phil. the lies. the lies. <laughs> I think you're y'all you're all you are all still thinking about like in my mind I like so Suzanne your point about how Trump can basically say they went after my daughter and they went after me that that is true that might sell with a Fox News audience right right but we're talking about criminal prosecution here and that yeah, doesn't absolutely. like that doesn't matter right if you've broken the law and like Robert Mueller doesn't give a shit about that yeah. right so all of those accusations and so that's the that's the question that I think is and that's where this stuff has been I think building in a way that still may not swing public opinion in massive ways, although right. it has swung it some. Right. But that public opinion is, you know, I don't know. Ideally, doesn't determine criminal prosecution. Well, this is so. the thing, though. So, I mean, let's take this to the umpteenth level. Let's say that they they have evidence, and you know, they prosecute, and they end up finding a way to impeach him. But that was still to be the house, though, right? The house has to drop. Right. Yeah. The house. So, the house has. To, all right. It, it, okay. In the uh, again, taking it beyond that, the House uh, agrees with the, the prosecution, the prosecution, yeah. and he's gone. So then Pence is there. Yeah. Well, that assumes that the Senate removes him, right? So the House Correct. draws up articles. If they vote, uh, if they vote to accept the articles, again, he gets yeah. tried in the Senate. Yes. So just saying, there's yeah. an extra step yes. that's worth uh, yeah. mentioning because the chambers work so different. Right. So beyond all of those steps, we get past all of that, and then Trump is gone. But the narrative is still there that. They were attacking him. They were attacking his family. Realistically, the it's, witch hunt got him it's out a, of office. Yeah, it's a complete right. witch hunt, right. and you know, it's fake it's news and blah blah. Fake news and progressive media and politics that's trying to take away your ability to 
you know, have a say in government and whatever. I, I mean, maybe. Do you, uh, I, I'm saying, like, that's a powerful narrative, especially for people who voted for him. Yeah. Oh, I, like, I, I, I don't know, dude. I don't think there's any good way out of this. I don't think that persuade. I mean, even Nixon, after he would, after he left office, still stuck to his guns and said, "I didn't do anything wrong." And I think Trump supporters, like his hardcore base, would continue to feel that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, mm, yeah. But the I question don't... would be if Pence became president. So I had this conversation with somebody actually over the weekend. Someone in my family who voted for Trump, and it was the first time we had talked about it, and it was like a whole thing. But anyway, one of the things that this person said was, um, you know, do you think that he's going to last the term, and what are the scenarios? And as I was walking through these scenarios, what, what I found interesting as I was thinking about it was, as a, as a voter, as a citizen, not a political scientist, who is a staunch liberal who wants to see a Democrat uh, in office in the White House, do I want Trump to finish out the four years and maybe draw a primary challenger, which we typically don't see, split and fracture the party even more than it already is and have a Democrat come in in 2020? Or do I want him impeached because he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and he's ruining our country? Get Pence in, who would be potentially more likely to serve four yeah. or eight, so 10 years maybe total? Mm -hmm. Like what, what is my dream scenario as a citizen? Like, I don't know, maybe I want him to stay. For that purpose only, but then the second part of me is like, we look at the G20 and all the damage that yeah, happened right. in that meeting. Like, what more, like, what is it worth and for the next couple of years? I can't years? take another, um, not return to handshake. Like, it's getting, it's yeah. getting really uncomfortable. Oh my God, Merkel's eye roll is me, all, is everything. <laughs> well, and Pence, I think Pence gets what's going on. Oh, yeah. He is now, I mean, he's, he's, his public statements are like, I have, I had no idea this was going on. Boy, this, I, I'm not going to comment on this, right? He's separating in a way that Trump, probably gets and yeah. that, that's um, that loyalty thing that he values so yeah. much he's got to understand if Pence is dis dis okay. distancing and so yes. final thoughts on this because we've gone way long on this stuff there's so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anything I think Trump pardons everybody including himself correct can he pardon himself <laughs> I, he Phil will, and I were talking about this I think he's going to try there's, yes. there's a there's an interesting legal debate about it there are some people who think that a president can pardon him, pardon himself it's not explicit in the constitution or whatever but uh uh, so it it's, it's relies on interpretation. So some people argue that the pardon, the power of the pardon, is the president's to use, and he can pardon citizens, including himself. Other people argue that essentially the act of pardoning is something you do to someone else. It's the nature of the act. It's the nature of the state of the word. But yes, if he try, he I I think you're right, Bill. I think if it goes far, he will try to pardon himself, and it will be a legal battle that would go to the Supreme Court to see whether that could be done. Apparently, Nixon considered pardoning himself in the in the lead up to Watergate and then decided not to. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he yeah. never got prosecuted. I think it also increases the likelihood that he fires Mueller. I think that... Oh my God! Yeah, I think that, I think that went up big yeah, time this I mean, week. Like, we talked about this when I was yeah. on last time about whether he, yeah. he would fire him and we debated whether... Yeah, no, now I thought, if no. he does, I, that would be it. it's even more... I but mean, it's, it's, I'm like, I can't. It's so you much. Let's just see me. I'm pulling my hair out. It's just Suzanne, it's, it's reaching the family. Oh, that's true. Never that's go right. against the Never family. That is like an actual red line point. So, that's something yeah. that will change the narrative. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, the narrative, the cannon went off, Nick, right? The cannon is now. <laughs> so you were talking about the don't go against the family. One of the interesting things that we didn't talk about, unless I've forgotten in my beer drinking, um, <laughs> is that. President Trump has said nothing about this. Like he has not rushed to Donald Jr.'s so aid. He hasn't. It's so a good point. The, the sort of loyalty you don't go against the family, or he's loyal to people around him. He has, he has 
uh, not necessarily actively distanced himself, but he's passively just dis distanced himself from it at least. The cheese will stand alone at the end of this. <laughs> he's a stinky fucking cheese. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on. Um, do we have to talk beers, or can we go to another topic? We can probably do another topic. Okay. Do we want to do the G20? Yeah. 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 That's the second biggest story. Yeah. Yeah. This was, yeah, right. This was the big story until this the, the, the Donald Trump stuff, Jr., leaked over the weekend. Uh, so the G20 was significant for the liberal international order in the sense that uh, the world had been moving in this free trade, worrying more about the environment, and the G20 gets together, and 19 of the 20 are in, like, they're totally together, and then there was the United States. The cheese stands alone. Yeah, again. And, and Trump seemed to powerful love that isolation, right? He pushed back against any statements about the environment. He was difficult about global free trade. He walked he out very, on the meeting about Africa, just like walked out. Yes. Uh, so there was so that happened. Uh, at the same time, he uh, there was this very significant meeting with Putin. For the first time, they, they sat down. They met. Uh, it lasted for two hours or so. Uh, you know, Trump said it was a great meeting. Putin said it was a great meeting. They were uh, laughing. They were, yeah. They were playfully tapping each other. <laughs> right. each other's yeah. hair. They watched American Idol. Yeah. It was great. And by comparison, there was somebody who wrote a story in the last couple of days talking about, was it two years ago or what, two or three years ago at the G20, uh, when you, I guess it was two years, when, you, when the Ukraine stuff was blowing up, mm -hmm. that Putin was literally isolated. That nobody wanted to talk to him, nobody wanted to shake his hand, so and that this experience was so much different. Mm -hmm. And I even noticed that it was, I don't know if it was NBC or I think it was CBS, maybe, I can't remember, uh, was talking about that meeting in the, in the nightly news, and they led with the two most powerful men in the world met today. And that struck she me. and Putin. What's what? She and Putin. Right, right. <laughs> uh, because, you know, like the idea that Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, and Vladimir Putin in particular, is suddenly the most second most powerful person in the world? Like, no. Which is know. crazy. He's yes. not at all. Right. But that was the narrative. And if you are Putin, you walk out of the G20 and say, like, fantastic. That couldn't have gone better. That's right. Yeah. All I could see is this, like, metaphorical mustache, right, that he's twirling yes. the whole time because he's, like, from oh. the beginning of the campaign to this very moment, this has played out exactly the way that he wanted, which is that the buffoon is leading the country that used to be the superpower that beat them, quote-unquote, during the Cold War. Now the G stands alone, and now I and now China are going to rise up, and we're going to be the allies of Europe, and we're going to you know, have global domination, and this was all his plan all along. Yeah. Um, Whether that's, I mean, this is how I think about it. I don't know. Maybe I'm being cynical now, but no, but, but I think the twirling of the metaphorical mustache. <laughs> no, I think I think you're right. Putin walked away from the G20 very happy. I think Trump walked away from the G20 as well. I agree. And felt like this was a good meeting. I established where the United States is going to be. I pushed back. Uh, I think both of them felt like this went fantastically well. Yeah. Yeah. But America, this I was reading something, and again, I can't remember either, saying that he had given a speech, or no, McMaster had said previously, you know, America first does not mean America alone. Yes. And what seems, I would say, clear, leaving the G20 to the points that Bill just made, is that I think that's exactly what that means. I think America first does now mean America alone, because yeah. the allies, these relationships that we have built, are crumbling or have crumbled pretty significantly in four or five months. It's stunning. Yes. It's stunning when you think about the long-term trends of the global system. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, you were in Germany, weren't you? No, New Hampshire. Oh, oh okay. 
Well, you were closer. I yeah, got really excited. Right. I was like, wait, you were there? Tell me about it. You were closer. That's right. Well, what was the sense in New Hampshire? <laughs> what did the bears say? Yeah. I, oh, yeah, I, have, I have bear stories. I almost <laughs> heard it. That was it. <laughs> no, I, so I thought that there were, there were other aspects of the... I mean, I agree with you, Bill. I think it, it's, it's remarkable the status change um, of the U.S. in the last six months. Yeah. Is everything okay? Yeah, yeah we sorry. Can be, I'm sorry. Okay. We just we lost your face, but we can hear oh, okay. you still. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it's pretty remarkable. The, the Wait, hold on. For the record, Bill fixed the technical problem <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> that was almost certainly caused by you. <laughs> <laughs> likely, likely. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the the drop in in U.S. status is is really remarkable, and and I mean I think you can't. Uh, it's hard to overstate, actually. I think it, this is the, when you look at sort of swings and sort of global perceptions over the past century. I mean, this is this is significant. Um, and the question will be, I mean, the, the interesting part is we talked about it on an episode a few weeks ago is the extent to to which this isn't easily undone. Right. So the extent to which even if you elected somebody that the world loved, right? That was just a wonderful, great person and everyone thought they were perfect. Um, it still takes, you know, it, it's hard to undo the the notion that American voters will abandon you, you know, will abandon the international community if they need to or if they want to. So um, and one of the other aspects that came out of the G20 I thought was interesting was the, so in the meeting that Trump and Putin had that went on for, supposed to be a 30 minute meeting, went on for like two hours, yep. yeah. right? Um, and it was we talked about this last week that it was going to be limited to six people in the room. So it was Trump and Tillerson and their translator and then Putin. And was it Kislyak? Uh, Lavrov. OK. And uh, their translator or whatever. So the part that the detail that we didn't or that I didn't realize last week that has come out since um, or that I've seen since was that that restriction, that limitation was a limitation from the Trump administration that the Russians were okay with more people being in the room. And Trump was the one who, or the Trump administration was the one who said, we want to keep this limited to the three people on each side, which almost certainly was done to prevent leaks, right? I so this is their- also to yeah. prevent him from sounding like a fucking idiot. Yeah. He didn't want everyone to realize that he doesn't know anything. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that's what I thought, but that's just me. So, yes. <laughs> Sorry, you're riding up there. It was pretty sweet. Can you talk to me about the ruble? Oh, wait. You um, but what's interesting about that is that that means, like, the, the, the limitation to just Tillerson in the name of stopping leaks means that Trump probably doesn't trust McMaster and some of the other like high-ranking officials that we again view as the adults in the room or the people that we kind of rely on to be there to make smart or good decisions. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that that certainly again talking about things working in Putin's favor, right? <laughs> For Putin to have Trump and Tillerson, who had combined between them what eight months yes. of foreign policy experience, um, <laughs> in the room with. Putin and uh, yeah, who had I think I saw the numbers. It was like a combined like eight months versus like sixty four years yes, of international relations experience. In the room. Well, and then it, the fact that there were only for for all that matters four people in the room meant that there were there was no good record. Mm -mm. And so after the fact, both Lavrov 
and Putin held press conferences and said that you know Trump did bring up the interference. Yes. And that the first we, thing he brought up. Yeah, and and then and then Putin says we said no, and he accepted my explanation. Sounds good. Thanks, right. guys. Just wanted to make sure. That's right. And Tillerson comes out and says, well, no, he pushed harder than that, but there were not more people. There were no notes. There was no record of this. And so when you go, well, small, you have Trump's tweets though. Trump's right, tweets. Right. They described all of that. This meeting it was a great meeting, and that. That, that he believes Putin when there was no meddling in the election. So I, I should apologize yeah. for all of my cynicism because clearly right. this is nothing. We and, okay, your should, apology. Thank, thank you. you. I'm so glad talk about I feel that so white tweet. now. <laughs> no, that, that, absolutely. That series of tweets where Trump comes out and says, like, hey, we've worked out this major deal on cybersecurity. Oh, my God! My head oh almost my exploded well, there. Thank God that died on the table. Because Even of trouble. Yeah. Congressional Republicans were like, ah, uh, no. Yeah. yeah. But this is what goes through his head. He's like, this is going to be a winning tweet. I'm going to talk about that Russia and I have worked on a cybersecurity deal. And then the next day, and I can't remember the, the wording of the tweet, but basically. It's like a fucking onion article. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. real life. This is where we've left. Depressingly real. Yeah. We did talk yeah, about it, but it's not going to happen, uh, you know, uh, ceasefire in Syria. Right, yes. <laughs> Exclamation point. It was such a bizarre interaction. And the fact that he doesn't get that whether or not he buys into the intelligence community in the United States assessment about Russian intervention, he still shouldn't have tweeted that, right? That was just Correct. a, it was bad politically. Oh. So can I go back and ask a question to my foreign policy scholars? Sure. In, both in the room and via Skype. Um, maybe, I, so can you explain to me a little bit about this sort of like Na, uh, NAFTA-like trade agreement that was potentially negotiated between Europe and so the European countries, did I make this up? This seems like a question for Phil. <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't make this up. I don't know what specifically you're talking about. <laughs> well, well there, everyone say, else talk while I'm not an idiot and well, look there, this up. I swear that, this was true. It was compared to a NAFTA-like well, agreement. There has been a, a, a after sort of after Trump has been elected and after the um, God, my my mind's gone blank. The what was the Asia trading? The TPP. The TPP. Yes. Um, after that um, was killed off, you've seen a scrambling of Canada, of Mexico, of European countries, of China, to basically create these new trade agreements to sort of bypass the U.S. because the U.S. doesn't want a part of it. So yeah, I don't, I don't know specifically what you're talking about, but I'm, I'm not surprised at all to hear this. So I found it. So um, the European, I'll just read. This is an article from the Hill from July 6th. So this is like right coming up on the G20. The European Sorry, Union and Japan on Thursday agreed to a massive free trade pact years in the making, seen by some as a rebuke of President Trump's protectionist policies. So it's this trade agreement between Japan and the EU. I think there's yeah. a. Did, did you? Did, yeah. So I didn't make it up, but no, I was no. curious like, what are the consequences of. A lot. I, I would imagine, yeah. right? So I'm just curious. I Not think, to put you guys on the spot. No, I didn't I mean think, to put you on the spot. There was a realization at the G20, and Merkel suggested this earlier, but that the world will not stop because the United States is pulling back. So the EU and Japan, China's continuing to develop relationships with, you know, across the world economically. Yeah. And the liberal international order will move forward mm -hmm. without the United States. Right. And that's significant for a variety of reasons in terms of you know, human rights, economic norms, all of that, it matters, right? So it's not like we can say we don't like this system anymore and we want to stop it. Now it's just like it's we don't even matter. Right. It's like when you don't, it's like when you're the kid in elementary school and you don't go to school and you think that no one else went and everybody else went, you go back the next day and you're like, but wait, life went on without me. Right. It's the same thing. But the thing is, 
we do matter. Regardless yes. of yes. whether or not we want to be part of the system, we do matter a lot. Yeah. So I don't agree necessarily with mm -hmm. the stance that he's taking, but when it comes down to it, I mean, the, the end point of all these discussion is where does the United States stand? How can we get them into these agreements or how can we absolutely get it within our favor? This is a good point. And especially if, you know, like it's surprising. Well, and especially if, if Trump and there's, there's fear of this over the next month or so starts imposing trade restrictions on other countries. Mm -hmm. They're afraid if this happens. So if the United States says to China, there's talk about steel mm -hmm. uh, embargoes, you know, to protect the U.S. industry. If that happens, uh, China will respond. The EU has made it very clear that they will respond. Yep. If the United States puts sanctions or, or limits trade with the EU, they will respond in accord. And suddenly, then it becomes a much more dangerous dynamic where global trade slows down. Sure. So you're absolutely right that the United States is an important part of it, especially if if we're not just accepting of everybody else moving on and we say, no, we're going to slow this down. No, I, uh, it's, it's very, very concerning. Well, and to Phil's point before, when he was saying, you know, even if we end up electing someone who's, you know, beloved by the world and so on and so forth, just, you know, entering in and being like, you hey, can't guys. can't back, like, okay? I know. You can't come back. Just, yeah. But it's so sad for me. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, who, whoever that person is, is like knocking on the window during the meetings like, hey, guys, I'm back. We're cool now. Can I, like, come in and get, it's not going to, it's not going to work that way I because it's it going to go exactly on. work that way. <laughs> You think so? I absolutely think so. Really? There's not a doubt in my mind that if we had someone in office at some point in the future who it's said... It's that United, easy. It's that easy. United States is, once again, open for business, and we want to partner with you on just about anything your little right. hearts desire. So It will then, happen like that. But don't that. you think we have no leverage then in that? They're, we're just going to kind of enter in where they want us to enter in? Are no. we going to be able to like negotiate those terms and get whatever we no, want? Not that, that we should. Because even now, when we don't have that position, we still have significant influence within the international economic community. That's Yeah. Like, so and if we want to make it like Mean Girls, and you know they're off in the corner, and she's doing her eye roll shit that she does. Oh God, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was you can't pretty, tell me that was, was not the Merkel eye roll. The Merkel eye roll. But it's just like it's it's impossible for us uh, to can at least at the point that we are right now, and I think it could change in the future, where China. Why do I sound like I'm on helium? Um, <laughs> where uh, China has significantly more influence than they do currently, which they already do have a significant amount of influence, but I, I think it would take a drastic shift in uh, diplomatic and economic relations worldwide to negate the effect that the United States but Don't would you have think we're on that community. path, though? Uh, I, I'm, yes, but I think but it would take a significant now. amount That's of time for that to happen. So there, I, th I think you're right to an extent, Nick, in that if the U.S. after all of this says, "Hey, we want back into these trade agreements," they can get back in. Right. But there are there are subtle um, impacts that you're not that I think you don't take into account. So think about like NATO and and like security alliances, right? Sure. So if the U.S. withdrew from NATO, that's not you know going to happen. But let's say they yeah. did, and then ten years down the road they say, "Hey, we want back in," they'd probably get back in. But the changing of the logic of countries like Poland or Germany is permanent, right? Because the diff there's a difference between thinking the U.S. absolutely has our back, right? They have 
from the beginning, since the since World War II, they have affirmed that Article Five matters, and they will defend us, and they've never done anything that would indicate otherwise. Versus a U.S. that you know after a Trump, you know, or after they had withdrawn from NATO, um, they might get back into NATO, but countries are going to behave differently towards them, right? They're not going to have the same total yeah, level right. of trust. And I, so it, it matters still yeah. in the, so so their standing has changed, even if, you're right, they're absolutely, U.S. will still be, you know, the most important player in the world economy and whatnot, even if they're withdrawing from these sort of trade packs. But it, there's still an impact that has had on U.S. standing and the way the international community looks at the world. I, I think completely that, agree. The, the the way to think of I, the thing that I find interesting about this is that I I, I understand that uh, Trump so it's not even Trump we could forget Trump right there are people who for a long time have not liked sort of the the way the international system has stru is structured or the the way the U S is viewed or treated within the international system um, that that you know I I I get that I can understand why people would be upset with that. But you sort of have two choices. You don't have a choice to get off the bus, right? We're all on the bus together, yes. right? You're in the international community, whether you like it or not. So your choice is to either play a role in trying, trying to reshape it the way you want, or withdrawing and saying, screw this, we don't like the way y'all are treating us, we're gonna go take our toys and go home. But when you do that, you lose your ability to influence the way the international system is shaped. So. Yeah. It would actually be, I mean, in, in my mind, if you were Trump and you were pissed about or unhappy about the way the, the role the U.S. plays in the international community, withdrawing is not the right response, right? You engage in an attempt to shift the way the international community is structured. Right. We're shifting the way the international community is structured, but we're doing it in sort of a passively, like, where, where it's out of our control. We're turning it over to... China and the EU and other countries. And, yes. and so, I mean, there's, there's, you can be cynical about it. Like, I think about Clinton and the creation of the International Criminal Court in which we signed the Treaty of Rome and we never, like it wasn't gonna be ratified, but we signed on, we were part of the negotiations the whole way through because we wanted to have as big of an impact on it as possible because we wanted to limit it. That's way more effective than saying, screw you guys, we're going over here and then letting the international community decide and do whatever yeah, they want. Right, so. so all right, here's my response to that. So I, I think there is a difference between uh, um, backing away from an organization or a group that's focused on more physical conflict as opposed to economic stability and, and advancement. I think that purely from an optics and PR standpoint, backing away from something like NATO um, or the ICC, which is f fucking useless in my opinion, um, that has a... You, I, I <laughs> Um, Feels eye rolling. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't eye roll. I just did a chuckle. <laughs> I, I, well, all right. well, Backing well, away from those institutions. That'll be an offline discussion. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think there is a, a significant. Um, there, there are um, immediate and severe consequences for backing away or from backing away from something like NATO that you would not see necessarily from backing away from something like the TPP or these other trade agreements that we're talking about because we're talking about something that is uh, intrinsic to the security of the population of a country and a region and uh, in essence the the world as opposed to 
making money and advancing capitalism or consumerism or something like that. And we know that we're pretty much the largest engine for economic development in the world, at least currently. And regardless of what stance that you take at the moment, if it's um, temporary, the global community is probably going to take you back fairly easily to continue that progress. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think I the know. one the one thing that would shift, though, if you think about, so basically you're talking about a shift to after hegemony, right? So the U.S. Yeah. hegemony control of the international system, and for a long time, the United States has said we are the <clears throat> indispensable nation. Mm-hmm. And if the U.S. pulls back, and the rest of the world realizes, hey, the system still kind of works without you. And we'd like you to come back, but we don't need you. Like, our role shifts. That's right. And we're sure. still we're still powerful. We're still <laughs> significant. Everybody wants us on board. But that's an important shift to say that we're no longer like the indispensable nation who everybody has to go through. Uh, now we're just like maybe the most important actor. It's mm-hmm. and that that that, that has implications yeah. as well. Yeah, and realistically, I, I agree with that point. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, as you're talking, I was thinking, this has economic implications for the United States, right? Sure. So a lot of what Trump, I think, has has, has um, purported is, we control our own destiny, our economy is going to be fine, we're going to do it from the inside, we're going to be the most powerful nation, have the biggest economy, because he doesn't understand global economic interdependence. Yeah. And so if we do lock ourselves out purposefully or accidentally from some of these agreements, thinking that we can do better by ourselves... Mm-hmm. And then we realize, he realizes, whatever, that that's actually not how it works. Mm. Then it's putting the tail between the legs and coming back to the international community and saying, okay, now we need back in and we don't have the kind of leverage to negotiate the terms that are going to help oh, us yeah. more. No, so America yeah. first, not so much. No, and I agree. Right. I don't think you would see that kind of um, that response from a Trump administration throughout the entire term. It would have to be whatever administration comes after that. You're just not going to see it. But what is the damage that could be done in the... Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I, 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 I think that's the, the, the frustrating part about what he's saying he's going to do with America First is to say, we get to be America First on the inside, and then that's somehow going to translate to America First in the world. But mm-hmm. by being America First on the inside, we forego our place mm-hmm. as America First in the world. Mm-hmm. And there are dangerous consequences, not only like tangible consequences, but also for a citizen, citizen of the United States who cares that we're the best... Mm-hmm. And some of those tend to be more Republican type voters America. to then look at, yeah. right to say, well, what the fuck now, right? I mean that that has some that has PR consequences on top of the more important tangible consequences. Sure. The, the other thing that strikes me, I know we got to talk about beers, but is that you know all of this wrapped up into the circling back to the Donald Trump conversation earlier, right? There are real problems out there. Uh, there was a piece was in the New Yorker or the New York Magazine about climate change and what's yeah. going on. That like rattled me to my core in yeah. terms of what's happening. Is that the one about how but hot it has to be? Where we can't live anymore, yes, and it's right. not as hot as we think. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and so you you think about we're having a certain kind of conversation and ignoring <clears throat> problems, whether it's climate change or poverty or ISIS. I mean, we're not, we didn't talk about the fact that uh, you know the, Iraq took Mosul back, right? There's other all these other conversations that are happening because yeah. of all this I don't know disconnect of the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. But we should talk beers, Nick. Right? Phil, do you have anything else on that? No. No. <laughs> I, I, have, I mean, I, we could talk for hours about that. Yeah. Yes, we should move on to beers. Uh, yeah, we're going to go long. So um, This happens, I swear, it's when I'm here. These are good topics. Good conversations. Yeah. Good yeah. conversations. Phil, do you want to start us? You had some good beers over there. Yeah. So the first beer I had tonight was uh, a beer called Hobo Life. Uh, by Lord Hobo Brewing. That's great. Brewing, brewing, which um, I just, I 
before I even tasted it, I loved it because the can <laughs> is beautiful. I love the name. It's just great. Um, it was really good. It was uh, so it's a session IPA. Um, I, I, it was it was really nice. Really very hoppy. Um, not too heavy. It was a good like summer IPA. I liked it. I think we should the feature second... them purely based on their name on yeah. the Facebook page, yes. and I want them to sponsor us. That'd be great. That's awesome. <laughs> Barstool Politics sponsored by Hobo Brewing. Yeah, that's wonderful. The Boy, second Hobo. one I had was from Rising Tide. Oh, so I should say the the uh, Lord Hobo Brewing is in uh, Massachusetts somewhere. Well, nobody's brewing. Woburn, Mass. Um, so the second beer I had was, uh, I, I specifically requested New England beers when I went to the beer place today. So the second one I had was uh, from Rising Tide Brewing Company, which is in Maine, Portland, Maine. Um, and it was their Main Island Trail Ale, uh, which is an American session ale. I also really liked it. It is, it was hoppy, but not as like in your face as the Hobo Life one was. Um, it was a little lighter, still pretty hoppy. It was it was good, kind of crisp. I could see that, like, you know, you've been out mowing the grass and you come in and grab one of those. It'd be nice. I, I really liked both of them. You're, you're painting a picture, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so Suzanne and I, we were do, we were sampling. I was up in Wisconsin last week or a week and a half ago. Uh, brought back a sample pack from New Glarus Brewery, which is famous for Spotted Cow. Which is my favorite. Favorite. Yes, uh, but you were a trooper, and you tried uh, you tried a couple other or another one. Uh, another so one. we both had two women. So why don't you talk about well, two I, women? Well, I chose it strictly because of the name. It was that obvious for do you, me. Do you I, want me to read their description of it? Am I going to be you, mad? No, no, no. Before you're gonna I endorse no, it, what is it? You're going to love it. You're going to love it right <laughs> okay. before we talk about it. So it's they, it's like a long description. Do but they use the word empowered in that? Uh, I think multiple As times. But persist, they said, <laughs> 4,000 years before Christ, Sumerian women created the divine drink of beer. Yes. All right. So, yeah. What did you think of two women? So, I, it's, I love a spotted cow, and I will be honest that the only nuclearis beer I've ever had is spotted cow, so I wasn't sure what to expect. I love the spotted cow because it's light. The two women was a little darker. I compared it to sort of a blue moony kind of beer. It was good. It's a, it has a little bit of an aftertaste that wasn't my favorite, mm. um, but I it it was still light enough and good enough that I would drink it again, but I would say it was not my favorite. And I only got through one beer. I think I talked too much. <laughs> I only got through one beer tonight. So I also had two two women, and I when I first started, I didn't like it. And then the more I drank, I did enjoy it, and it kind of grew on me. It is like a... It's a lager, but it had a little bit more aliness to it. So it was, yeah, it, I, I did enjoy it. Uh, the second New Glarus beer I had was called The Bubbler. And uh, for those of you that are from Wisconsin, a water fountain in Wisconsin is called A Bubbler. Uh, this was a Hefeweizen, and this was very... Drink that! Yeah, no, this was, uh, it was almost uh, bubblegummy in terms of, oh. it's like, no, it, was, it was good. It was, uh, like, sweet and, uh, kind of, you know, very Hefeweizen in that way, um... But I enjoyed that. And then the third one, because I had to try all three of them other than the Spotted Cow, obviously, uh, was their Totally Naked, which is kind of a Czech Pilsner. And that was a crisp, and it was good. Of the three, it was maybe my least favorite. But it was, you know, to Phil's metaphor, you could be out in the backyard mowing a lawn and really enjoy this one. So thank you, New Glarus, for some tasty beers. Awesome. Uh, I had a, what was it? Uh, Locals Light Amber Lager from... Uh, what was it? Uh, you know, Shorts Brew. Shorts Brew. Is that them? Says it on the top of the can. It came by Shorts Brewing Company uh, out of Michigan. Um, kind of light. When I first had it, it 
tasted like just kind of a Coors Light or a Bud Light or something like that. But then it has like kind of a florally, nice. almost apple-y kind of Ooh, taste nice. to it. It was really good. I was I was good pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so highly recommend that. Um, uh, second one I had was from Weiner Beer, which is out of Chicago, I believe. Uh, it was their Meow, M-I-A-O-U. That can is amazing. It's yeah. got a bunch it's of cats. cats with ninja Close. cats and punk cats and it's delicious. hipster cats. And, um, <laughs> I love the hipster cats. Is there a man bun on there somewhere? There's got to be one somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's out of Chicago. There's a man bun in there the somewhere. Suspenders. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a Belgian wheat uh, ale, which is not my favorite, to be perfectly honest. Um, out of control, Belgian. Yeah, make a noise. Um, uh, oddly enough, with a cannon on it, after all the talking that we've been doing <laughs> with a cannon. Um, no, it's, uh, it was a pretty standard wheat ale. Um, can't really say much about it. Didn't like it. Didn't hate it. Um, actually, I can't say I didn't like it. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, it's just there. Their other one that we had a long time ago was like a Rue Bric-a-Brac or something was really good. Um, Weiner in general is pretty good, but that one was not my favorite. Uh, third one I had was from Buckle Down, um, Painted Turtle, uh, which was a Session Pale Ale. Uh, pretty damn drinkable. That's Hold on. That's a great beer. Ooh, one more sip. Um, definitely hoppy, but not overly hoppy. Um... Yeah, I, I mean, like I said, it's it's fairly standard, um, but it's definitely something that you could drink on, I guess, what, it's an 80-degree day today and every day during the summer. I'm just going to drink every day during the summer. That's, that's I like the, that. That's a good strategy. Okay, one more quick, quick topic. topic. All right, then... I, I got it. So Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Before you do that, can I throw out something real quick here? Yes. Um, apparently, so Don Trump Jr. was on Hannity tonight. Of course he was. And his new defense, so in all, you know, we keep saying he has a new defense every time he some. His new defense is that, quote, someone sends me an email, I can't help what somebody sends me. <laughs> but you can help whether you go to the meeting, right, asshole. Right. He also said that he did not tell his father about meeting with Russian lawyer, according to well, Fox. of course he said yeah. that. He doesn't want daddy to go to jail. Daddy told him to All right. that. Speaking of nepotism, maybe we can quickly comment about uh, Ivanka Trump at the G20 sitting in for Donald, yes. uh, which caused uh, a kerfuffle. Um, <laughs> as, as people, this is never, I, I don't know if this is historically accurate, but people had said this had never happened where a, a daughter, son or daughter had sat in for a head of state um, at a G20 session. So upset, not upset, maybe go around the table. Nick? He looked at me. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> because I'm I, the I, resident lady talking about the lady that was at the thing. I don't know. I figured you'd have an opinion. I do. Okay. I opinions about everything. I know. I figured you'd have so, a very you all, I mean, I've talked her. on the podcast before about how I feel about Ivanka and her place in the administration and what she sort of uh, symbolizes for women and working women and mothers and so forth. And I've talked about it with the gentleman off air as well. And, and regardless of all of that, I just find it really interesting that um, – it's not uncommon for a surrogate to be in these meetings, someone yeah. from the State Department. It's not at all uncommon for that to be the case. So the fact that it wasn't him is not the issue. The fact that it was someone with zero foreign policy experience who doesn't know anything about Africa. This was a meeting about Africa, right? Yeah. She's not an African specialist. She doesn't work in the State Department. It was simply just he needed a body. She was on the trip, which is also kind of unprecedented for the children of the president mm-hmm. to go on the trip to the G20 to sit in in a meeting next to heads of state. So most of the people at the meeting were heads of state, not surrogates. 
to just simply have an ass in the chair for the United States while he went off to some bilateral meeting. Um, I think that regardless of whether it's her or anyone else who would have been not someone who was appropriately credentialed for that meeting is a problem, but it is her and it's another example of the way that he uses his children. Um, and then for me personally, the way that he went after Chelsea Clinton mm -hmm. after that, and I thought her response was quite, was quite brilliant. Um, so that's my, my take. Felipe? <clears throat> Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's I was much more tactful. I should have just said that. Like, this is fucking no, stupid. That's great. So, yes, does he have a right to do this? Yes, he has the right to like des designate a surrogate to sit in his seat. Yeah, totally. That's that's true. It's back to the whole like legally legal right wrong thing, <laughs> right, wrong. right? Like, yes, he can do it. It's ridiculous, and every American should be pissed that the president's daughter, who has no no like expertise in this is representing the US at these meetings when uh, like if if she were eminently qualified it would still be i would still have issues with it but like there are so many people in the state department who could be you know who are, just put rex tillerson there right i don't like rex the tillerson the leaks Phil, the leaks they don't want him to the fall asleep on camera yeah. it's true i think true. back to like so i i was i was raised a good uh, conservative Southern Baptist boy, and I remember when Bill Clinton was first elected, and he put Hillary Clinton in charge of healthcare, and like people lost their minds. She right? got sued. She literally got sued. Right, and and we could have a debate about like whether she was qualified or not. Um, she's I have the she's debate every smart. Day. She had you know, policy <laughs> stuff. But but uh, like uh, so, I maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I sort of get why people were pissed, right? Like you you you've not of all the like people out there, you've just chosen your wife to do this job. Like, but you know, she did the people... same thing in Arkansas. I'm just throwing that out there. So yes, we. <laughs> I just I had to say it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. So I'm I, done interrupting I, I, now. I understand why people are pissed about that, right? And they same reason they should be pissed about this, right? Like, don't, God, yes, this is, <laughs> nepotism is stupid. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Bill. All right, so I I agree it's ridiculous and it shouldn't happen and we're not a monarchy monarchy so you don't do this. That being said, for however long she was there, I I am guessing the United States was about as best represented as it could be, right? I mean. <laughs> I mean, given who's been appointed so would, far, I'm sure she was point. paying attention. She knew what was going on. Um, if asked Africa's a question, a country, right? right, she could have handled it better. Only so I agree. I disagree in principle, but I think for those few moments that she was there, we were probably in the best hands that the U.S. has been in since Trump has been. But it's elected. also, I think, it's a, it symbolizes, and maybe it's not. And I'm giving the President Trump. I'm used to being in class and calling him that. It's still hard for me. Sorry. Giving him the credit that he knew what I'm about to say, which is maybe he thought his time was best served in this bilateral meeting and not best served sitting in this meeting about sure. Africa. I don't know what the meeting was that he went to, but it was him and another leader. And so he was like, well, that's more important than this. So there was a strategic choice someone told him, but I just think that he was like, this is fucking boring. I don't want to sit here in this meeting about, about Africa. I'm going to bring somebody else in. I'm going to go talk to somebody else where I can like schmooze and shake hands yeah. and like have. I That's the thing. I, I think I, it's a common, it's a weird mutated hybrid of the two. So, I think his time he thought was served somewhere better. And he thinks that she is qualified yes. to be yes. in yeah, those meetings. That's probably yep. it. Mm -hmm. I, like, yeah, there's no part of me that goes, ah, whatever, just go. Yeah. do something he yeah. picked her and that, he said she's the one yeah that's the problem with nepotism <laughs> <laughs>
That's... One of the many. Oh, yeah. that, that, that's probably a good way to end. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, well, like, you have an opinion. We didn't yeah, get to you. Oh yeah, 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 You yeah. know my uh, opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There's no reason that she should have been there. She's not qualified to do that. At the same time, I think the G20 meetings or these meetings of international leaders in general are fucking stupid for the most part. But. Um, <laughs> There's another yeah. laugh, just so you know, <laughs> yeah, I heard I know. it. That's I an know. even better way to end. <laughs> like, like, this is the thing. There, there are substantive things that we can talk about, and probably do get talked about to some degree, but then the only things that come out of them that the general public ever hears about is this stupid fucking high school drama bullshit. But that's, that, this, is, this, never, this did not happen during the Obama administration. What are you talking about? The dra- what drama was coming out of the G20? He, he was no drama Obama. I, 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 the, so, the, the patience? <laughs> what was it? The strategic patience? I can't. I can't. I can't, I can't even. I can't. Can I, uh, let, me, let me say before, I feel like I should interject. But yes, please, I, I I totally understand your frustration, Nick, but I think that complaint is a complaint with the media, not with the G20. Mm. So yes. the stories okay. that come out are all of the drama. So I, I think even though the drama is what people are talking about, that doesn't mean that, I, I think very real sort of deal-making and discussions happen yeah. at these things. Uh, yeah, and I, I probably didn't explain that well. The, yeah. the... What's being... Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I think there is substance within the meetings themselves, but the narrative that ends up coming out of that is so um, diluted to the point where it doesn't matter that no one has any idea what goes on, and it's just a bunch of rich fucking bureaucrats that don't have your interests in mind, and that's eye that's yeah, a lot of eye rolling. There was some old woman from Germany who was eye rolling, hey, hey. and there was <laughs> another it. guy who talked to some guy from Russia, and they liked each other. I don't know. Um. <laughs> I didn't know anything about that second story. <laughs> should look that one up later. Yeah, so we, we went long. We should probably cut this off. All right, so <laughs> we already did our shameless plugs. Facebook, Twitter. Facebook at Barstool Politics. Twitter at Barstool Paul. Uh, untapped Barstool Politics. Uh, Yahoo, um, Barstool Politics at Yahoo.com. Yep. Um, our individual Twitter accounts. Um, and then review... Uh, and yeah. like us on iTunes because that helps us get more traction. Um, yeah. Anything else that I'm missing? Thank you, Dr. Chad, for joining us today. Thank it's always guys. fun to have you back. Thanks for having yeah. me back. Yeah, I appreciate it's great. it. Anything else, Phil, from your end? No, not at all. Oh, there's a bear story. Can you tell us after we go off air? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're 30 episodes in again. I, I, can't, I can't even fathom that. It's amazing. Congratulations, Cheers. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>